We've been praying for Vacation Bible School. And I know I've heard of at least five children that accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior through our VBS program. That's great. That's awesome. And we didn't even get five days. So that's more than one kid a day. So I just think that God answers prayers. And he's active and he's at work. He answers prayers about people, about the gospel being productive and people being saved. He answers prayers of protection. He answers prayers of healing. He answers prayers of a broken heart. And God answered a prayer this week. Uh, Last night, I was sound asleep and the phone rang at 1.30 in the morning of someone calling to say, God has answered my prayers. And I, to the best of my ability, said, praise the Lord and rejoiced with them as I was half awake, half asleep at the time. But I, I wouldn't trade that for the sleep I could have gotten. You know what I mean? God answers prayers. God is good. Um, Sunday school this morning, when I put together my Sunday school lessons and uh, when I put together what we're going to talk about at night and in the morning or on a Wednesday night, I don't make a plan. But in Sunday school this morning, we talked about how God is a God who answers our requests. If we ask he will answer our request. If we ask anything in his name, he will give it. But but there's a number of places in the Bible where God says he will give us good things. And we often we know that sometimes sometimes God says no. And one of the reasons that God says no is because our request is not good for us. And he in his sovereignty and his wisdom can say no to that request because maybe he has something better in store. And I think about 2 Kings chapter 20. I'd like you to take your Bibles and open to 2 Kings chapter 20 to a time that God said yes and he answered a prayer. And we wonder if things had gone differently and God had said no, might it have been better for this individual? But let's take a look and let's pray as we read about Hezekiah's life this morning, this evening. Let's pray. God, um, I thank you that you answer prayers. I thank you that you can answer prayers in the middle of the night. You can answer prayers during the day. Lord, sometimes you answer our prayers like a torpedo. And other times you answer our prayers like a tortoise. And Lord, I just pray that you might help us to be faithful in prayer. This morning we talked about how at the end of the life, one of the greatest things that we can leave as a legacy is to live righteously 
and sanctified. And to Lord, um, just really pray for our family, pray for our loved ones. Pray that you might help all of us here in this room to be faithful in praying for our children, praying for their eternal lives. And Lord, that you might just answer those requests. Help us tonight as we look in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2 Kings chapter 20, it's in verse 1, it says, In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he, that's Hezekiah, turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone, Isaiah had gone into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. As we look at this passage of scripture, probably one you've heard before, Hezekiah hears bad news from Isaiah. Isaiah comes and he says to, to Hezekiah, Hezekiah, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. He says, Hezekiah, you're coming to the end of your life. It's about to be over. Set your house in order. You're going to die. Um, I know that sometimes, uh, we may hear from a doctor, uh, you have so long to live, but the truth of the matter is, is that a doctor doesn't know. Just ask Alta Neville. Doctor told her she didn't have very much time left to live. And I don't, she, every couple of months, Seems that she tells me how long it's been that she's been defying doctor's orders to pass away. Um, but uh, she's not been a very good patient for that doctor. And, and she said that day, she said, you don't know how long I'm going to live. Only God does. And God has worked and uh, done great things. And she's been praising the Lord because she's had a lot of opportunity to witness to children, 
grandchildren and she's still praying for them and and she has a desire to see them see them saved and God's got a plan and a purpose for her life just as as he may for your life but if God if God were to say set your house in order for you shall die that's a totally different thing and Hezekiah was was not okay with that and as probably most of us would be in the same situation and he prays to God he prays to God and um, as he's praying to God he says remember now O Lord how I have walked before you in truth and a loyal heart and I look at Hezekiah I read his life and if I were to make a top three of the kings of Israel Hezekiah would make it onto that list he was a good and righteous king who did great things for his country so he's definitely right when he says God I, I walked with you my life was spent walking and talking with you in truth and with a loyal heart and he had done what was good he was a good man a good king and those are hard to come by. And he was distraught about the fact that God had said that his time was over. And so God came to Hezekiah and he said, Hezekiah, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. And okay, that, that's what God did. And that's what God chose to do. But then we get to... Um, Verse 12 of the same chapter. And we read chapter, verse 12 of 2 Kings chapter 20. Where it says, At that time, Barodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the, the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ointment, and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his domain that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah. And said to him, what did these men say? And from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, they came from a far country, from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you. You will beget 
and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord, which you have spoken, is good. For he said, Will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city. Are they not written in the books, the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. So as I think about that, that passage of scripture, and what happened, how Hezekiah's life was extended for those 15 years. It wasn't shortly after that event that in comes walking into the palace, Babylon. And he shows Babylon all of his wealth. And Isaiah comes and, what have you done, Hezekiah? This is not good. Babylon is going to become a thorn in the flesh of Judah. And he begins to, to tell and lay out what is going to happen to, to the, the young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I've often said, I would not want to have been Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, and to have gone through what those boys went through. But the, 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 the beginning, the, the foundation of what would take place happens when Hezekiah goes in. And he says, look at, look at this kingdom. Look at the, the wealth of Judah that God has blessed us with. And, and we look at the end of Hezekiah's life, and we know that he went, he accepted what God had said, the word of the Lord, he, he, not, he didn't drift from his relationship and his, his walk with the Lord. But could you imagine if when God had said, Hezekiah, set your things in order, for you're about to die. If what if Hezekiah had just said, Okay, God, that's what you have for me. I'll do that. Would the whole Babylon thing have been part of his? I, I can't answer that question. I'm not God. And I can't say if, but it appears that if he would have set his house in order on that day, that he would never have seen or heard of or have any knowledge that he had any part in what happened with Babylon. Don't you think that that would have been better? And I have to think that sometimes when God has led us down a road and when he has put us into situations, we can pray. Um, someone said to me, I'm praying about this. It's a big deal, but it's God's will. I've been praying, I've been praying, but whatever God says, I'm going to take that. Maybe you've said that, said that in your own life. God, you're sovereign. You're good. You know what's best. And whatever your plan is, I'll accept that. 
and I will trust you no matter what you have for me. And I also am glad that the Bible says here that God heard Hezekiah's prayer. He saw what he was doing and he answered. He said, I'll heal you, Hezekiah. And I'm so glad that we've got a sovereign God who in heaven listens to us. He hears our prayers. He, he takes value in what we have to say. Have you ever, have you ever met a famous person? I, I'm almost to the point where if someone famous comes to town, I have no desire to talk to them to meet them, to have any interaction with them. And I say almost because, you know, if someone came over and they wanted to have a, and they were a good person, I probably would like to enjoy meeting them. But I know it seems that if anybody even has some remote uh, tie to celebrity, and you go to talk to them and you have a question for them or something. They just they, they might hear what you have to say, but they're thinking past you. They don't care about you. That whatever you ask to say doesn't mean a hill of beans to them. They're not concerned. Have you ever had that situation where you've just talked to somebody and they didn't give, give you that they were too important to have anything to do with with you? That's not God. God heard what Hezekiah had to say. He saw what was going on in his life and, and he took value in Hezekiah's thoughts. And so when you go to God, understand that, that you have the heart of your heavenly father. And he's listening and he sees and he cares. Sometimes we just have to get better about the whole, okay God, if that's what you have for me, I'll take that. God listens and he answers our prayers. Um, let's turn our Bibles to James 5.16. In James chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. In the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the, the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. 
in the earth produced its fruit. I'm so glad that we have a God who takes stock in our prayers and that he cares about a prayer warrior. And if we are sick, we can go to the Lord in prayer. Um, tonight I shared with you two examples. I talked about Altonella, a woman who you know, who God said, God had a doctor come and say, you know, Alta, you have weeks, maybe months if you're lucky, to live. And Alta said, you don't decide that, God decides that. And she went and prayed, and God healed her, and he's still healing, and bless, he's still blessing her and using her, and she's a faithful prayer warrior. And she loves her God and she walks with her God and God's done great. He's done great things in changing her life since then. We read about Hezekiah, a guy who walked with the Lord and loved the Lord. And God came and said, Hezekiah, uh, put set your things in order for you're going to die. And Hezekiah goes to God and he prays. God says, OK, Hezekiah, you're going to get 15 more years. And the, the only blemish in his life came in those last 15 years. I'm not going to say that he strayed away from the Lord or it appears that he died still as a good king who followed the Lord, who loved the Lord with all of his heart. But the only blemish came in those final 15 years. So when an illness comes in your life, maybe God's going to heal you and it's going to be the most the best thing for you. Maybe God's not going to heal you. Maybe God's going to heal you. And you might, like Hezekiah, said, maybe I should have let God do what was best and what was sovereign. In all of those situations, we pray. We ask God for his will. We, we can pray for healing. But we trust God's sovereignty. We trust him. We lean on the fact that he knows what's best for our lives. Does God have the ability to heal? Oh, absolutely. Does he heal people? Yes. Does he get glory through healing people and doing miracles after they have been healed? Absolutely. I dare say that if we were to go around and to listen and talk to stories from people in this room, we would have testimony after testimony of someone who could say, God has healed me from something that looked and appeared to be a tragedy, but God has healed, he has saved, and he has done wonderful things. Amen. Do we trust a God who is sovereign? Do we fervently and effectually Pray. In here, there in James chapter 5, there's something that's kind of been called to my attention. I've always understood, I've always known and leaned on the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, but there's also part in there where it talks about confessing your sins. I've been challenged with that. 
Because I have heard people pray for healing and knowing that part of that prayer, praying for healing is confession, confession of sins. As we come to God and as we pray to God and as we bring others to pray around, we need to make sure that our heart is right with the Lord and that we've taken care of and we've dealt with some of these things. So as we pray, as we pray for healing, as we pray for um, others, as we pray for ourselves, what are some things that we should pray for? Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness, godliness, and reverence. So as I look at that, I, I see Paul is telling Timothy, a pastor. We call 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus the pastoral epistles. And he says to, to young Timothy, and I think that this could be something that could be applied to each and every single one of, one of us, that first of all, what's that? That means like this is important. This is the first thing you need to hear. It's kind of interesting. When you usually start instructions like that with children, this is the first instruction that you need to pay attention to. They say that a lot of times on tests. That I give kids. Here's the first thing you need to pay attention to. And I say the first thing that they need to pay attention to. Then I say the other instructions and the things that they need to. Boys are not very good at paying attention to the first instruction. Girls are. That's just the way God designed us differently. Um, I I saw that one time, um, and I found that I saw that in a in a study thing, and I watched it and I've observed it. And I'll say, kids, here's the first thing you need to pay attention to on this test. And I'll get the test back, and there'll be three people who didn't pay attention to that first thing. Usually, all boys. And I think that carries through to men, too. So women, you're probably going to naturally get this. But men, open your ears. Here's the first thing that God wants you to hear. Pray. Supplications. Prayers. Intercession. And giving of thanks. Be made for all men. No, notice it doesn't say... 
for your friends. It doesn't say for your enemies. It doesn't say for your neighbors. It says for all men. Now, I understand you cannot pray for all eight and a half billion people on the planet. That's impossible. But in your sphere of influence, you can pray for everybody. There's nobody on the list who can get kicked off. You know what I mean? And I don't think God is going to lay every person you have ever met on your heart for you to pray for. But there's nobody that you can leave off the list. If God says, I want you praying for that person, you need to pray for that person. And maybe, I don't know, if as you're hearing that, you're saying, well, there's one person I don't want to pray for. And God's laid that person on your heart right now. Maybe that's the very person you need to pray for. That's hard. That's extremely hard. It's hard to pray for your enemies. It's hard to pray for people who have abused you. Have done inappropriate things. Have hurt you. But I guarantee you I've known people who have done worse. And someone has been praying for someone who's done something worse to someone else. The second thing I see, not all that we're supposed to pray for all for everyone. We're supposed to pray for kings. It's interesting. I hear a lot of people saying we need to pray for Donald Trump. Do I agree with that? Absolutely. Do we need to be praying when Barack Obama is president too? No. Do we need to be praying for whoever our next president is? Absolutely. Should we pray when a Nebuchadnezzar is on the throne? Should we pray when a Hezekiah is on the throne? Yep. And I got to think. That the guy that Paul and Timothy would have been thinking about being their king would be worse than whoever you're going to be praying for. You ever think about that? They had some pretty terrible people as their kings who let some very wicked things go on. And for all who are in authority, do you pray for your boss? Do you pray for uh, your manager? Do you pray for the police? Do you pray for the judges? And for anybody else? So when I'm talking to children, I usually get the list longer because I say your teacher, your parents, your principal and stuff. You guys have a little bit shorter list, but you, have, you still have a lot of people that are in authority over you. We need to be praying for them. And we need to pray. And one of the reasons is that we may lead, we need to be praying for quiet, peaceful lives. 
Are we always going to get quiet, peaceful lives? In this world, you will have trouble. But that doesn't mean that you can't pray for and desire. Actually, it says here that we may lead quiet, peaceful life in all good godliness and reverence. Trials are going to come from the outside. Our prayer life ought to be something that we're not adding to the problem. And that ought to keep us grounded and walking with the Lord so that we can stroll through those trials, trusting that God is sovereign. Our God is good. We need to trust him. And as we pray, we need to just think about those situations and trust that he can help lead us all the way. We walk with him in truth and loyalty. Very, very important. Let's pray this evening. Lord, I pray that you might um, help us to pray to you and to trust in you. God, you are good. And Lord, I just pray that you might help us to be people of prayer. But Lord, sometimes when you lead us through trials, when you help us through those difficult situations, I pray that you might help us just to go to you, pray, and accept your will. I thank you for being our God. Bless us as we leave this place tonight. Help us be prayer warriors. In Jesus' name, amen.